And now, from North Carolina, number 23, Michael Jordan. So there's the shot, capital T, capital S, the shot against the Cleveland Cavaliers and over Craig Elo in 1989, the one where Johnny Red Kerr and Jim Durham, the Bulls announcers, were like, Bulls win, Bulls win. <laughs> and then there's the midair layup switcheroo dealy against the Lakers in the 91 finals, the one where announcer Marv Albert was all like, oh, a spectacular move. <laughs> And then there's the shrug game against the Blazers and the flu game against the Jazz. But my personal favorite was the dagger in Utah, the one that won the Bulls their sixth and final championship, that that 10-foot jumper where he totally did not foul Brian Russell. Now, the one big commonality with these moments and the thousands upon thousands of other Magical Michael moments is the shoes. To quote Marth Blackman, money, it's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the air Jordans. And it's got to be time to collect this. Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. Here's your host, Alan Goldshire. Okay, DJ Ski, my fellow Michael Jordan fanatic. Hugely, hugely important question. What is your go-to model of Air Jordans? Your number one, the big enchilada, the one that gets you all tingly every time you see it in the closet, even all these years later. The Jordan 11, right? Like for me, that's the shoe that got me hooked. The the Jordan 10 is the first shoe that I actually owned. And that was kind of like my introduction. And then the 11 just aesthetically was so beautiful. And that was in the moment of Jordan's comeback. So it had like the perfect combination of pop culture. You had, you know, everybody wanted it. It just looked so radically extreme and different than any other shoe that we'd ever seen. And it's, you know, gone on to to withstand the test of time. Like if I was to wear, choose like one shoe to, to to wear like forever it's that concord 11 right it's just iconic and still the most popular jordan model of all time today it is gorgeous tone uh are you a, an 11 truther or do you have a deep cut favorite i definitely uh jordan 11 is my favorite uh my first was the jordan 5 which everywhere i wore people were talking about it because i was in california from chicago so people couldn't they just couldn't believe how amazing the jordan 5 was people weren't rocking it like i was out there but the jordan 11 for sure is the is my favorite shoe to look at. I, I, I'm uh, gonna pivot from the uh, from the 11 and go with the one. Right, I'm a Chicago kid. I was a kid-ish when uh, MJ got drafted. Um, I got a pair of them. They were painfully uncomfortable. I wore them to death. Uh, at that point, I don't know if you guys knew this. They did not breathe. Those Nikes did not breathe. They made my feet super stinky. Uh, Dylan, where are you at? Are you are you an 11 guy? I'll, I'll even out the score and go with you with the Jordan one. It's the uh, it's pretty much the perfect sneaker. It's lasted, you know, decades. Uh, been incredibly popular, incredibly versatile. Uh, you know, who doesn't like a Jordan one? That 11's number two for me. Also, just an, an incredible sneaker, incredibly unique. But gotta go with the with the OG. 
very politically correct kissing up to the host and your fellow guests i love it um guys thank you so much for joining me for the premiere episode of collect this uh with me is dj ski musician entrepreneur and a general card guy uh tone stakes founder and president and everything of game use tone your go-to place for game use sneakers and uh dylan dietrich author of an awesome book about sneakers called sneakonomics and uh numbers and and fun guy over at uh at alton insights um so these shoes right these six shoes in question one from each of the pairs where michael won a championship all six of these shoes were on display at the national unfortunately i was not able to go to the national it's the national sports collectors convention ski however you were there tell me what it's like being in the same airspace as those shoes I mean, it's so cool, right? Like beyond the fact that it's just really cool Air Jordan models taking out the provenance of them, like, and, and the OG models, which a lot of people might not realize they, you know, Nike obviously does a ton of retros, but each retro is a little bit different, slightly different materials, different shapes and builds. It's not like, it's, and people don't realize it's not just cookie cutter for, for a shoe. It's actually, you know, Nike spent a lot of time and had ups and downs over the years trying to recreate these. So to see these original ones with generally like different materials, that they don't use or can't access or too, are too expensive to make nowadays. The original shape, the wear and tear is just fun to see. Like it could be, you know, anything that just, you know, that has lasted that long that's still around is fun. And then the fact that you had the provenance, I mean, it's just that takes over the top to, to be looking at these pieces of history from, you know, the, the moments that made Mike Mike and, and arguably, you know, set off the entire Air Jordan line. Tone, you have seen and touched and most likely smelled your fair share of incredible, incredible game use sneakers. When you were around these Jordans, and I'm sure you've seen other Jordans, sixes, sevens, eights, et cetera. Um, when you were around these, the ones that were worn when the championship came to pass, did you sense something uh, from underneath the glass? Did you sense a, a, a spirit or a vibe emanating from there? Or were they just, yeah, more Jordans? These are definitely at the top of the Jordan chart. I mean, these seeing these sneakers in person, seeing the uh, the fans that are just watching these, looking at these sneakers in awe. To, actually, as they're reading the story, to realize that this is one sneaker from each of his championship game or winning uh, finals shoe sneaker. I mean, I think it was. Um, I think it was just amazing to see uh, those in person. I mean, the sneakers themselves obviously have seen they've had some days they, they, they're, they're they're worn for sure you can tell they're used i didn't get to smell them so i don't know how they smell but i would imagine <laughs> it was probably pretty rough too but uh but just to see those in person was phenomenal i mean totally worth the trip to the national dylan you like me were not at the national but uh you said you emailed me uh, a few days before the show and you said this collection this collection of six shoes is like getting six infinity stones you stand by that <laughs> i do yeah i mean you'd think from the outside looking in that you know assembling this collection of arguably six of the most important sneakers from michael jordan's career would be basically impossible so um the fact that they're all all together and and we're, we're on display is is pretty remarkable stuff uh, not something i think most would have expected to to ever see I think something we can all agree on is thank God he didn't sign with Adidas, right? <laughs> all right. Uh, what I'd love to do is kind of go around the horn here and um, get y'all's thoughts 
on each of the sneakers themselves, right? And Ski, what I'd love for you to do is kind of like talk about the the cultural importance of each pair. So Tone, tell me about the sixes. What do you think about them? Yeah, the sixes to me are just obviously deeply connected to that iconic moment of Jordan winning his first championship. I remember the buildup to that finals matchup with Magic and Jordan going back and forth in Chicago and L.A., two major cities in the NBA market. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the, the the shot where he goes up on one side and finishes on the other, uh, those sneakers. Oh, to what me, a spectacular <laughs> move! <laughs> <laughs> those those sneakers to me just connect to that moment, and when I see those sneakers even today and on different people wearing retros, I think of that first championship ski before i turn it over to you i'm going to do this again oh what a spectacular move anyhow um <laughs> do the sixes mean anything to you as an entity or was it the championship was it the spectacular move that put them over the edge i mean it's both right like it's an air jordan especially from from 91 right like in in, in pop culture you saw everybody wearing these from yep. will smith to like you name it right like it's like iconic shoe but if you were to like objectively take this shoe out, right, and like strip it of the Jordan logo, show it to somebody that had never seen or knew who Michael Jordan was, compared to like other shoes of that era, you know, I don't know if it stands out that much on its own. I think it's mm-hmm. those memories of us watching Mike wear that, seeing it, and knowing that it's his first championship. I mean, it's a, it's a great design; it's really cool, but it's never mentioned as like the top Air Jordan, right? You you heard the eleven, you heard the one. You'll hear that three and the four generally, uh, maybe the five occasionally and stuff and and, and the six is kind of a a little evolution from the the, the five but like it's it's so iconic because that was what's on mike's feet and like it's that colorway that color blocking the infrared red on there like it's just it's become such a staple simply because he wore it and if he didn't win that championship and do those things like do people care today I i don't know um the the 92 championship when they beat the blazers that to me uh is always going to be the shrug series right uh it, michael at one point went bananas from behind the uh the arc not his game it was not his game it was an anomaly um but after i think he hit five or six of them in the first half uh he turns to magic johnson who was doing the color isaiah thomas uh, everybody on the and, and press row just shrugs as if to say, oh, my God, I can't believe this is a thing. Um, the shoes he was wearing, the uh, the sevens, Dylan, do they live up to the shrug moment? Yeah, the sevens are kind of uh, in the shadow of the sixes a little bit. Like when you look at the full timeline of Jordans, you don't necessarily see a lot of like design continuity from one year to the next. But I think there is some carryover from from six to seven to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it helps that. It helps when there's a moment that anybody can kind of picture very vividly in their heads. And I think the shrug moment is, is just that, um, and knowing that he was wearing yeah. sevens for that boost them. And I'd also say, you know, bolstering the case for the Jordan seven as a model, um, is the fact that that's the, that's the sneaker he took to Barcelona with the dream team, right. uh, which is an, you know, uh, a really important and, and memorable moment in his career. And, um, you know, gives, gives the sevens a little bit of boost that, that they might've needed to stand out a bit ski uh is the seven the same situation as the six where the association with the championship makes it special or was it an amped up version of the six that kind of captured buyers and collectors fancies yeah, it's funny. Like, if you look at the Jordan, you know, in essence, basically like six through through ten, arguably, right? Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. the most like Jordans came off with a bang pop culture, like one 
two not as much three four for sure five yes and then that like that set them up right so anything they came up with they were able to to ride off of that even if the designs weren't quite as good and they're still dope like i love the sevens i love you know i always think of, of bugs bunny with the with the sevens right like and <laughs> and those things and uh and, and then barcelona of course like seeing those olympic sevens and seeing the different and especially because it was like a color blocking that we'd never seen with the jordan and that red white and blue and iconic dream team moment makes it special but again it's a you know we could say a lot of the same thing that we said about the six in terms of you know would it still matter if it wasn't an air if it didn't have that jordan logo on it and that history behind it tone these the the eights that he wore in 93 when the team uh beat phoenix uh and in one of the more unlikely uh seasons for michael uh most people even to this day still think charles barkley should have won the mvp uh but he didn't because they gave it to michael uh but that and that's why that series was so special there was that barkley jordan they're frenemies they're still frenemies right um so the eights that he was wearing when they beat Phoenix. Are those, are, are those a special? What makes those stand out to you? So I, to me, the eights, I like the eights. I think a lot of people may push back on the eights. They're not like, like Ski was saying, it's not one of the iconic sneakers by any means. Uh, but I think that those sneakers that with the crossover straps just had a really cool style. They were probably some of the more comfortable sneakers that I had during that time when I was rocking through my Jordans every year. Uh, but I, I think, I think that moment, you know, you obviously that, whole championship comes down to that John Paxson shot to win it with three and a half seconds left or whatever it was to go. Uh, but Jordan, I think, averaged 35 to 40 points a game that entire series. I mean, he was carrying that squad. He was battling uh, uh, Charles Barkley, who was having phenomenal games himself. Uh, I think that those, when I look at those sneakers, I think of those tough battles that really Barkley was truly trying to get his first championship standalone, that he was a top player in that league. And, and Jordan was still letting him know he was the guy. Uh, Ski, the eights, uh, are they special fancy looking or is it, again, one of these situations tied to the championship? That's what puts them over the edge. Yeah, the eights, again, not one of the most popular models, so very similar to, to what we're talking about with the, even the six and the seven. But they did do a different, like, design for the first time. They had, like, the straps over them. They 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 had, you know, their moments in pop culture. I really liked it. Like, I love the black and aqua just because that colorway was the first time we saw that on the Jordan. And that was up until they retroed them, like, one of the more popular and higher value um, Jordans just because you couldn't couldn't see it. And it was just, you know, different from that. But it, it's definitely, again, it goes back to that, that Jordan like which is why I think if you look at the designs of of the models in the year, especially like the early Jordans, like they were able to to kind of run off because and have this kind of longevity last because they were sandwiched between the most popular models, right? So it gave them that leg space. Versus if you look at Jordans after really say like the 15, you know, even the 14 might not be. I think the 14 is probably the last true iconic Jordan that people really cared about mm-hmm. because he wasn't playing. He wasn't like winning championships in them the 50 to 16 i think is the last one that he wore on, on court if I'm, i i could be wrong it's around the 16 might be the 17 but um like after that nobody's really collecting with very few you know examples of that jordan's after that so that kind of shows and proves the the point out even though if you might like the design of some of the other ones like i love the design of the 23 i'm not a big fan of a lot of the other ones but it doesn't carry the same cachet as an eight even though i think it's, mm-hmm. it's a much better aesthetic design and i think it's because of that history and that just uh, shows that point 
Dylan, I'm gonna. Uh, ironically enough, your turn is uh, for the 11s, right? So we know that you don't like the 11s at all. No. <laughs> um, what is it about the 11s? Like, give me the physical aspects of it that that makes it so eye catching and exciting and transcendent and raises it uh, next level. Yeah, I think um, this was really the the reinvigoration of the Jordan line coincides with them returning to play. But in terms of the actual design, it has this, you know, futuristic, almost like space inspired aesthetic to it. But it mm. also has patent leather, which is like probably the first time that's really appearing on a basketball sneaker. So you have this kind of shiny, you know, um, you know, midsole area of the of the sneaker that that really stands out on court and looks completely different than anything we've seen um and i think the story with these is super interesting too um you know jordan comes back the season before he wins the fourth title um and he's not supposed to wear the 11 yet like he's just given a sample a prototype and mm-hmm. he's so blown away by the design likes him so much he's like no I'm, I'm wearing these and so he wore them second half of that season um then wore the concord colorway the entire regular season the next year and then finally the playoff black and red colorway um in the postseason in the finals and you know every like core colorway of that sneaker is so iconic and so beloved you have the, the playoff bread you have the concord you have the space jams because he wore the jordan 11 in space jam yep. um yep. and the, th- the thing to know about the jordan 11 is this is basically the sneaker where like every single holiday season now nike's releasing a pair of jordan 11s in mm. massive quantity they're still <laughs> selling for they're still selling for premiums on the resale uh, marketplaces um and they're, they're doing just enormous sales re-releasing this model ski that uh finals the one against uh seattle was didn't didn't really have um the iconic moments the oh what a spectacular move in the shrug game uh etc cetera, etc cetera. um but the shoes themselves were so gorgeous straight up gorgeous that it's probably less essential that it was attached to a finals am i am i way off base on that I mean, it was like, look, Jordan had, you know, he, he was back right then, right? So it's like, it, it gave you that that moment. He won. And just the design, like, aesthetically is just so popular. It was like the perfect, I think this was like the height of Jordan's popularity and success, right? And when that Bulls had that incredible season, like, it was the it was the the one they had the, the what the, the 72 10 season i believe he's wearing in these things like that's mm-hmm. the like this shoe represented the, the height the peak peak michael jordan from a player from a pop culture icon and from a design perspective and it's rare that <clears throat> all those things come together at once and that's exactly what happened with the 11. uh tone you like me are a chicago area kid um, and I know that you, like me, do not like the Utah Jazz circa Carl Malone and John Stockton. So uh, when they won the championship in 97, he was wearing those 12s. Did you feel as good about the whole thing as I did? I did. I loved it. I loved it. They were, uh, <laughs> during that time, if you remember, they were trying to make this story that, like, the Jazz was, like, the team to, you know, that was that was pretty much unbeatable. And they had played great throughout. <laughs> and I can see Jordan did his thing again. Uh, I think I think it's, it's fun to watch. When you look back over this, you see that uh, Jordan just continually showed that he was the best player on the court whenever it needed to be shown. And and again, these finals, you know, with the, obviously the, the, 
the the 12 had such a cool look to it very simple just the, the big color slide uh, you know on the one side whether it was the white or the or the, the uh, red with the flu game uh it's just a, a phenomenal sneaker i think i think the 12 again not very comfortable but super super cool i think that uh, um you i think of the moments uh the flu game moments with with these sneakers when i saw those uh obviously it wasn't that model or that that colorway but when i saw those it, it instantly reminded me of that flu game Ski, uh, aesthetically speaking, were those kind of a come down from the 11s or did they, in your mind, maintain the um, upward trajectory of uh, the, the Air Jordan coolness? Yeah, they weren't as well received. I remember when they first came out, a lot of people didn't like them as much. I personally really liked them, right? Like they looked like they had like the sun design, the advertising that Nike did that put behind it was so iconic. And it was a Jordan, so I think you were a sucker for it. I mean, it's it's impossible to follow up the 11. Like we're talking about maybe the, the greatest design, not only Jordan, but maybe sneaker of, of all time. So it's, it's tough to live on those things, but I actually like the 12. Uh, however, you know, you're right. It wasn't the most comfortable shoe. It's a little bulky in the bottom. I remember playing ball in it though and, and having fun and, I still like the design that the flu game model, like it's funny, like I, I never really loved like the black and red color blocking on mm -hmm. the 12. I thought the black and white playoffs were beautiful, but that black and red is the popular one because it's the flu game moment. Nike's made that, made that known. So that's another one that just shows even like the colorways that might not necessarily work other than if it wasn't for that story, you just limb to that. And, and I think uh, when we look at that shoe, we, we remember it for, for the moment more so than the design, even though I personally like the, the 12 a lot, but more so all the other colorways, like the white French blue is sick, the, the taxi, the black and white playoffs but the the bread one is the one that it's the most popular and, and people remember and will always associate with the 12. i will say that it's probably a good thing i was not at the national because one of my dream pieces of memorabilia has always been the shoes that michael jordan was wearing when he made what should have been his <laughs> last shot of his career to uh knock utah off of uh off of the their attempt to get up the mountain um dylan how special are those? That's up there among probably in the top three moments that people remember from his career that you can vividly picture in your head. Um, can I do my Marv Albert impression again? I don't think there's going to be any stopping you, so please do. Oh, what a spectacular move. All right, go on. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> but that, that crossover, you can, you can just picture it. Um, and so that, that obviously... Um, you know, those sneakers from that moment are, are incredible. And that's another sneaker model, by the way, that he wasn't supposed to be wearing yet. And he just kind of flipped the switch and said, no, I'm, just, I'm wearing them. He's Michael Jordan. So he's kind of got carte blanche to do do what he wants. But um, interesting design, kind of playing on his, his affinity for, you know, very fast luxury cars, Ferrari. Um, you know, I, I think one that's that's certainly very much the beneficiary of the story. To me, the, these shoes are the ultimate. This is just to me uh, in, in the beauty is in the eye of the beholder aspect of collecting. These are the MJ shoes, the, the game, MJ game worns that I would want because that's the moment that I love, right? Ski, what is the MJ moment that you loved? What shoes would you want strictly because they were associated with the magical moment? I mean, it'd be tough for me to not say like the final shot, right? Like the shot, like, is that just such an iconic pose in the 14s? The last time he wore the Jordans in a Bulls uniform. So I keep going back to that. Although 
in 12s are incredible like you know the 11s anything that are just worn from that it's it's tough to choose it's like how do you pick any of it any of them are great but if i had to pick it it'd it'd be especially because that's the era where i was buying jordans right like i was i was still a little younger not buying them in the six seven eights in the first championship so i don't remember them as vividly as when i was actively like in the sneaker scene scene going after these but i I might say that the final shot 14s I have a really important question, and this could be a whole other episode, but since we're on the topic, Tone, the GOAT, is that MJ, is it LeBron, is it Oscar Robertson, is it Bill Russell, is it, uh, ask Russell Westbrook, he'll say it was him, is MJ the GOAT? Oh, man, I think think that's such an emotional uh, statement, you know, when somebody says who the GOAT is. I look at it like when I grew up, I was from Chicago. I'm in my 40s, so I grew up during Michael Jordan's heyday. It is hard for anybody to sell me on the idea. I didn't get to see Oscar Robertson play live. I didn't get to see Will Chamberlain and some of those amazing talent before that. I've seen the Mm -hmm. one since. I'm still going Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Um, Dylan, you are uh, slightly younger than uh, the rest of us old men on the panel. Uh, are you a LeBron truther, having spent more time watching LeBron uh, in your basketball watching life? Or do you look back at the YouTube clips, go down rabbit holes like I did last week? Oh, my God, he was really good at basketball uh, and, and go with MJ. As, as a Boston guy, I don't think being around for LeBron's key years has has endeared him to me. Fair point. Uh, fair very, point. Very much. No, <laughs> I'm I'm a Jordan guy. Um, you know, mid to late '90s were kind of my very formative like sports watching years. Uh, Michael, my, uh, Michael Jordan mania was still going incredibly strong. So uh, I'm definitely in in the Jordan corner on on that argument. I think he does benefit a little bit from existing in that era versus the era that LeBron exists in where scrutiny mm-hmm, is just mm-hmm. so incredibly high and these guys are so yeah. incredibly visible all the time but um you know, I, there there will never be another another Michael Jordan Ski you're a Minnesota guy uh do you take Michael over Kevin Garnett <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, it's Mike, right? Like, I don't know, six championships, <laughs> the cultural impact. I don't think you could take, it's tough to take Mike over anybody, right? Like, and, and there might be like, look, there's the argument to be had who's the actual, like, greatest and, and this has like is it lebron like you can make a lot of arguments but i think just because of the time the era what he did for the game like it'll always be mike no matter no matter what let's back it up let's look at uh some of the forest right now instead of the trees dylan you are our um you're our sneakers numbers guy right Talk to me about sneaker as an asset class, as a collecting asset class, where it's been and where it is. Yeah, I think you're you're talking about a, a market now that's not just you know the ninety to a hundred billion of sneakers that are sold at, at retail every year, but there's a, a resale kind of aftermarket that's several billion dollars a year annually, where people are buying and selling sneakers that have previously released. There's incredible demand and appetite for them. Um, you know, it's become commonplace for sneaker releases to sell for multiples of their retail price on on resale marketplaces, um, and it's it's kind of been the inspiration for a lot of entrepreneurship that's come to support that that collecting hobby and that that trading hobby. A lot of um, businesses have been sprouted from that, and it's it's you know a a kind of phenomenon that 
will continue for for many years as long as as long as scarcity um, as a strategy remains intact for the brands mm. and there's no reason to believe that that won't be the case um, people are going to be hunting sneakers trading them making money off of them and um, you know i think i think that's something that we'll be seeing and dealing with in the future for a very long time tone what's it looking like at the marketplace the game use space or you mean with the just regular sneakers both all, oh, yeah. all the above yeah yeah i think i think the sneakers like like dylan was saying i don't see that going away anytime soon i think that the as long as they continue to make them collectible and people can trade them and make some profit and make some value out of it which i believe that the sneaker industry will continue to do because it benefits everybody involved uh, mm -hmm. i think that's going to continue to grow uh, in the game use space sneakers are becoming more and more uh, a central factor uh, people are collecting game use sneakers more and more uh, i think that uh, we're you know talking about uh, that the jerseys business the game used jersey business has continued to grow but the sneakers are actually catching the jersey business because uh, because of the rarity because of the uniqueness because of how the athletes can show their own personality through the sneakers uh, which they can't do with jerseys adds additional value for collectors and fans uh, yeah I, I definitely i think this i think the sneaker market uh, as it continues to grow uh, be, continues to be an asset class that people are going to invest in in this space all right, before I let you very handsome gentlemen go, um, as we know, there's only one of each of these sneakers, right? Which is fine. I'll take one of these amazing MJs uh, versus none of these amazing MJs. But Dylan, if you could have one sneaker, not a pair of sneakers, but one sneaker, aside from a Michael Jordan sneaker, what would that sneaker be and what event would it be tied to? Uh, no MJs is obviously tough, but I guess my answer and uh, my answer will still involve Michael Jordan. But I'm going to take uh, one of the Reebok questions that Iverson wore uh, when he crossed mm. Jordan up. Um, Jordan still almost got back to block that shot. She shows how Be and people forget that people do forget that because when they show the highlight, it's usually just the crossover. Yeah, so as far as like moments go and models that have stood the test of time and, you know, people who are very culturally relevant, I think that's that's a pretty solid non-Jordan option, but it definitely makes it tougher. There's, there's probably a better Kobe option that I'm maybe missing, but uh, that's what I'm going with. Um, yeah, I have to do uh, my Allen Iverson impression because my Marv Albert impression was such a hit. Practice? We talking about practice. All right, Tone, what is your dream single sneaker? I think if I'm just taking one, I think I go for the uh, Wilt Chamberlain when he scored 100. I believe, I believe it was a Chuck Taylor low is what I believe it was. Uh, I would take that. I mean, just for the iconic moment itself. Now, again, I, I, I don't know. I've never seen the game. I've never seen if it actually happened. But according to history, <laughs> he scored 100 points. Uh, or was it 100? Maybe it was even 101. But it was, uh, it was over 100. So it was phenomenal. That would be the moment I would take. Uh, from the perspective of beauty is in the eye of the beholder. The three of you guys are about as beautiful as a guest gets in the sneaker world. Tone Stakes, Dylan Dietrich, DJ Ski, thank you so much for joining me on the premiere of Collect This. Awesome. Absolutely my pleasure. Always. Thanks for having us. Whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady Playoff Contenders rookie card from 2000, or, I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing. Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. 
a subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. The speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports card graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit CSGcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG. Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldscher. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at collectthis at csgcards.com. 